Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Michael Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about the MLB, give you our top five most frustrating sports moments of our lifetimes, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. So, did you know that not only are baseball bats round, but you can purchase a mug made out of a baseball bat like like it's a baseball bat with the top probably 10 inches chopped off of it and a board out through the middle kind of like you would cork a bat right but the borehole is a lot bigger and you can just drink liquid out of it you can buy this like a place online you can buy it from and it was probably one of the best gifts i've ever received so like that's awesome are these like wheel bats or yeah. are they like like mm-hmm. so it's like wheel like bat wood like ash or whatever you somebody yeah. maple whatever people make their bat out of yeah it's real bat wood i think they should do the same thing but use like bats that have been used in a game or something i think that'd be really cool but and they could charge more for it too they definitely yep. they, you should go work for them wyatt new business idea definitely would we could partner up with the mlb because whenever they get back to playing baseball we could start using those bats we could and for a while this week I thought that maybe we were going to get back to playing baseball sooner rather than later because after all of the debacles of the previous week that you uh, heard about in our previous episode, in the middle of this week, uh, Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, the head of the Players Union, sat down for some actual good, real face-to-face negotiations and discussions, and progress was made. They, they came down, they hashed out some things, and the league proposed a 60-game schedule with full prorated salaries, which looked like a, um, a big move towards the players, right? The, 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 the owners had never proposed anything with full prorated salaries before. So that was definitely a big move towards the players, and because it came out of these negotiations with the Players Association, I was somewhat optimistic that... Uh, this was going to be progress. Um, the union countered with a 70-game full-prorated proposal, you know, get a bit of back and forth going in the notifications. Uh, the league basically responded by laughing and saying, no, 60 games is our final offer. So the players said, okay, they sat down here, and just uh, on Monday, the 22nd, they voted on that proposal, and they would, the uh, Players Association rejected that proposal by a 33-5 to five vote. So that proposal didn't happen, and now basically we're right back to where we were last week, where it's up to the commissioner to say when and where, because the commissioner has the power to do that. So we're probably back looking at something like 50 games starting around August 1st. And, you know, the commissioner saying, let's get to spring training here by the start of July. That's pretty much what we're looking at. This, what do you, this is going to be such a wild season. Like, teams that are not supposed to be good can be good this year. It It's just crazy. Yeah, I think we talked about this previously, but, like, yeah, the Roy- for example, the Royals' chances of making the playoffs in 162-game season this year, zero. Right, yep. they basically zero. Like, not actually zero, because it is mathematically it's possible. Like, it's, but- it would probably be, like, 1% or 2%, but... In a, no. in a real world, zero. Yes. and But with a 50-game season, it goes up to like 12%. Still not likely, but it could happen just because, right, 50 games, baseball's random enough that 50 games 
anything could happen in the 50 games of baseball. It, I mean, it really boils down to whose players are, I guess, more ready. Because if you do have some of your key players who haven't necessarily been taking this time off as seriously and are in peak peak performance, especially some of your ace pitchers, it might take them a while to get back into the groove of things. And that can greatly impact a like two week stretch and set you way behind in what, 12, 13 games. Yeah. And injuries are going to matter so much more now too, right? Somebody pops a hamstring and you miss two weeks because you popped a hamstring and you know, the regular season and whatever you miss 14 games. It's not a big deal. You're back and you're good to go. You pop a hamstring. Now you miss a quarter of the season. Almost a third too. Like yeah. it's in between a quarter and a third. It's you, you miss quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, right. The, it Every game means so much more and everything turns in. There's going to be a lot more random that happens here this year. For sure. But I am optimistic that baseball is going to happen. There's no way Rob Manfred is going to tell the players, now nah, we ain't playing. So I'm, I mean, I'm if confident. you asked us last week when he said he wasn't 100% sure that we were going to play. That's true. But now, whether or not he's knows he's he's going to tell the players to play, I know he's going to tell the players to play. He might not know that, but I know. I know. There's no way he's going to be that incompetent. So basically, you're the new commissioner of baseball? I would take that job. Are you offering it? I don't have the authority to offer it, but I would greatly greatly remove Manfred from his post and put someone else in there. Anyone else. Yeah. I don't know. I I would also do that. He doesn't care about baseball. I mean, go, go ahead, Wyatt. Going back to that proposal real quick, in your opinion, Mike, do you think the league should have scoffed at the 70-game uh, rebuttal? Or should should that have been kind of an opening for more discussion? Do you think they were right to just completely shut that down? I mean, it's, it's just, you know, 10 games, right? Yep. So the, the, the two consider, from the league's perspective, right, the reason they scoffed at 70 games is, first of all, they still claim that they are going to lose like $600,000 as an ownership group, $600,000 per game played this year. So I, 10 games at $600,000 a game is $6 million, essentially, is what it means to the owners. I mean, which granted, it isn't much with how much those franchises, in light of how much those franchises are worth, but $6 million is $6 million. Um, and also... Um, they do not want to push the season back past September 28th, right? The league does not want to end the regular season later than September 28th for fear of a second wave of the virus canceling the playoffs, right? If we go regular season through the end of October, playoffs starting in November, right? If this thing is going to come back in the fall, you're playing later into the fall, and the MLB can't afford to have the playoffs canceled, if they often play as full prorated salary regardless of playoffs, they can't afford to have the playoffs canceled. There's just no way. So um, the other things that are going to be interesting is if the commissioner just says we're playing, some of the other parts of these deals that we're negotiating aren't going to happen, which would have included a universal DH, which would have been included in this deal, um, expanded playoffs to 2020 and 2021. Um, is there another thing? I can't remember if there was another big thing. Those are the two big things, though. It would those, have added, yeah, those, those were obviously the biggest pieces. Yeah. It would have added a universal DH for this year 
end next year too. It basically would have been the end of pitchers batting because everybody presumes in the next CBA for the 2021 over the 2020 after the 2021 season that will go to a universal DH. So the players accepting that proposal would have been the end of the uh, pitcher of pitching. So for those of you who like pitchers hitting, I know I'm in that camp, but I also agree that both leagues should be the same. We've talked about this before, I think, haven't we? I think so. I'm pretty sure we have. Anyway, it would have been the end of pitchers hitting even in the National League. Um, so there were some interesting things that this offer put away, but I'm confident we're going to see baseball. I'm not as angry as I was last week, but it was hard to make me angrier at baseball than I was last week. So, Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a mess. It's still a mess. I mean, nobody looks good in all of this. But it's still a mess. But it's going to happen. Go baseball. Go baseball. That's good. Go baseball. It's definitely frustrating not seeing baseball in, you know, where you normally would see baseball, which is this time of year. You know, baseball is awesome. But speaking of frustrating things, a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes back, we brought you our top five best sports moments of our lifetimes. And we're going to go back. And do something similar, but share with you our five most frustrating sports moments of our lifetime. So, in a similar fashion, I think, do we all have honorable mentions we want to get out of the way before we uh, work our way through our lists? Yep, I, I, do. I know I do. All right, we're going to start with you, Kyle, then. You usually start us off with stuff. All right. so. so, I'm just going to get two out of the way. One of, one of them was... Two honorable not mentions? Even, two honorable mentions, yes. Wow. Uh, so the, the first of the two is Armando Galarraga, pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. June 2nd, 2010, Jim Joyce was the first base umpire. He blew the call at first base that would have been the 27th out in a perfect game. And that one was so frustrating because it was the last out. Oh, I remember watching the game and I was sad for him. And I'm not even a Tigers fan. So that's how that was. And then yeah, back like that, when I... Like that was pre-replay, right? Yep. So yeah. The, um, the umpire doesn't have to worry about replay. Like, he's out. Like, if it's close, he's out in that situation. He's about to throw a perfect game. If the play mm-hmm. is close, the guy's out. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. Even if, even if the... I don't know. I'm not... I'm not like lobbying for this but even if like it's a split second where you think the player is safe you give it to the pitcher he's thrown in an in- incredible game thus far yeah, i don't know that was and, horrible and i mean he was obviously out like if yes. there would have been a replay in that era it, it would have been overturned and he would have been out and it wouldn't have been close yeah but it was my, so it was yeah. such a blatant miss that was, that was bad and then my second honorable mention Back before my loyalties uh, were to the Cyclones, I was a Kansas State Wildcat fan. Um, and in 2012, K-State was ranked number one in the BCS in the BCS polls, a throwback. And they lost on the road to Baylor, who was absolute garbage that season. And they destroyed their BCS National Championship birth hopes um, because they... It, that was like the either the second to last or the last game of the regular season. So, knocked him out. 
I was pretty I was pretty heartbroken over that. Yeah, that's a good one too. Am I next, or are you going to go next, Wyatt? Uh, I don't care. You pick. I'll go next, then. All right. So I'm going to preface this list by saying, okay, I'm a Minnesota sports fan, right? Put specifically a Vikings fan. I think the Vikings, Vikings franchise is the most successful franchise in any sport to never win a, a championship. So I could literally do this entire list of just Vikings things. Um, I only have three Vikings things out of my top five plus my honorable mention. So I, I restrained myself a little bit. But I could definitely have done all Vikings things if I wanted to. Um, first, my honorable mention is going to be a Vikings thing. And that's going to be going back to what year was this? I don't remember exactly what year it was. But it was Teddy Bridgewater um, tearing up his knee in a non-contract drill in training camp during the 2016 training camp teddy bridgewater just just backpedaling or not backpedaling like uh back shuffling doing his like drop. quarterbacks do in the pocket yep dropping in the pocket in a non-contract drill and his knee just blows up literally he almost lost his leg like that vikings team was basically death was pretty might could have been destined for the playoffs that year before teddy bridgewater just absolutely blows out the knee and basically, this, the Vikings trade for Sam Bradford, and the season was a mess after that. Teddy Bridgewater blowing up his knee in training camp 2016 is my honorable mention. Nice. Kyle, you reminded me of, of something else, so I also have two honorable mentions now. And they're both related to officiating, uh, believe it or not. Uh, number one's kind of obvious. It was the NFC game in 2019, the, the blown <laughs> pass interference call of the Saints. I'm still upset uh. about that. Like, that helmet-to-helmet helmet was ridiculous, and it still frustrates me. To this day, as as a registered IHSAA official, <laughs> that upsets me. <laughs> Wait, you're actually uh, a registered official? Yeah, I'm a registered official in Iowa. Ref, ref all your high school games for you. Nice. Uh, the other one is... Um, NCAA D1 refs taking the emotion out of the game. Uh, specifically, Cameron Lard would get a technical for every display of emotion in the 2017-2018 season, and it was just absurd. Like, every time he would dunk and yell, man, he'd get teased up. Why? Why? I don't know. But that, that like we're so mad that entire season was yeah. in the stands for Pep Band. It, it was, was like ridiculous. Four games in a row. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Taking the emotion out of basketball. Yeah, that was like four games in a row. Insane. Anyway, let's get into our actual list, starting with number five. Kind of going to lead us off. Uh, yes, yeah, so you're going to notice a trend for a lot of these. Number five, Andrew Luck's massive comeback against the Chiefs <laughs> in the 2013 wild, uh, AFC wildcard game. Uh, the Chiefs were leading 38-10 to 10 at halftime. Um and the Colts won 45-44. to 44. It was the second largest comeback in NFL playoff history at that time. And that, oh, that one hurts so much to and, think back on. And the, the Colts flopped the next week like most yeah. teams do after a big emotional playoff win like that. Yeah. Absolute flop the next week. Oh. Man. Number five for me, I'm also going with playoff football, but not what you'd expect. I'm going uh, the playoffs from this previous season. Bills, Titans. Mm. The guy catches the kick, 
in the end zone and then tosses the ball away without taking a knee and the Bills pick it up in the end zone for what should have been a touchdown and they call it a touchdown on the field and then they change their minds. That has to be one of the worst misinterpretations. Like, that's not a judgment call. That's just a misinterpretation of the rules. The Bills got so screwed. I forgot about that. I cannot believe I forgot about that. That is definitely, like, the top ridiculous calls from an official. Like, oh, my God. I, oh, Lord. Yeah. All right, so my number five is also football. It was the uh, September, what year is this? Uh, 2019, I think, game. So just just last past season. Uh, we were playing at Baylor, Iowa State at Baylor. And we were told to take down our tents, our our shade-bringing tents that were on the sidelines because they, like, weren't approved earlier in the week or something ridiculous. This is, like, what, a 100-degree day or something down, down in Texas. And we weren't allowed to have our shade-bringing tents. And that just irked me the wrong way. There was no reason to actually pull the tents off the sidelines. And... I think that that contributed to exhaustion that later in the game let Iowa State lose. Uh, little, little tiny things like that irk me sometimes. Like, who yeah. cares? Who cares if you have tents on the sidelines? Like, they, they weren't doing anything wrong. It was a technicality that was, you know, drawn out just to, to throw a fit over. But that's, that's my number five. Yeah, And you could see it affected play, too, right? Because Iowa State played a terrible mm-hmm. first half when they were in the sun. And then over halftime... The sun went down under the stadium, so it was shady on the Iowa State bench, and they made a great comeback. I mean, they eventually yep. still lost that game, but made an incredible comeback. Yeah, they they put a graphic up on the screen that the temperature on the Iowa State sideline was like 100 and, 100, between 104 and 108 consistently. Like, that's hot. Yeah. Especially when you're playing on turf, too. So Get a real grass stadium, Baylor. All right, Kyle, what do you got at number four? Oh, man, for number four, throwing it back to November 2017, ISU versus Oklahoma State. Pretty much the nail in the coffin for our first legitimate chance at a Big 12 championship appearance while we were in in school. The, The touchdown catch in the end zone that was ruled an interception. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that that would have that would have, I think, tied the game at that point. So it wasn't a guaranteed win anyway. But the just the ruling of it, looking back on it now, I feel like it was maybe the right decision. But at that point in time, it was so heartbreaking. We had just come off of big wins against TCU and Oklahoma in that season, and then we lose to an unranked Oklahoma State team. And it put the nail in the coffin for Big 12 championship hopes that season. So That's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, that was a tough one. Number four for me, I am going, this will be the most recent thing on the list, I guarantee it. Because my number four is, this current fighting in baseball about whether or not we're going to play a gosh darn season. Yeah. Play a gosh darn season. I'm not going to say much more about it because we've covered it in detail the last two episodes. Just play a gosh darn season. No, I totally agree with that. Um, my next, my number four, I guess, was when Kyle Kempt, like, threw out his knee at Iowa. What was that, two, two, three mm. years ago? This yeah. was the second game of the season. 
It was a non-conference game. Kyle Kemp's, you know. But it was really the first game of the season because the yeah. previous game had gotten rained out, right? The South, yeah, South, South Dakota State game that had got lightened yeah. out right before it. So. Yeah, it was technically the same. You know, it was the first yeah. real season. Re- yeah. Real first game of the season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was frustrating because I think the year before, two years before, whatever, um, when we played Iowa, you know, we didn't score a single touchdown or something. So we're coming back to, you know, uh, we're going to win this and everything. And all of a sudden, Kyle Kemp gets injured, a career-ending injury. And, you know, we end up losing that game. It was just so frustrating. I mean, some good did come out of that. Um, but uh, that was that was really frustrating. I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to lose your quarterback. Your star quarterback is going to bring you to, you know, a bowl game or something. In the first yeah. game of the season, it just sucks. The Cyclones haven't scored a touchdown in Iowa City since 2014. Yeah, say so it's been a while. It has that, been a while. I think we scored a single field goal that last game that we were there. Maybe yeah, two. both both 2018 was 13 to three Iowa, and 2016 was 42 to three Iowa. Man, I remember, I remember that 42 to three. Yeah, that, that, that was, was a fun. rough. That was bad. Oh, so not very fun. Hopefully, it'll be better this year. Yeah. Moving on to number three, what do you got, Kyle? Uh, this was just going to be pretty short and sweet. 2014 World Series Madison Bumgarner. That's it. Dominant Most frustrating series. thing. Like, Madison Bumgarner, 2014. Untouchable. Yeah. Ridiculous. But you won the World Series the next year, so that has to make it sting I a know. little bit less. It, it, it hurts a little bit less, but it still hurt. Yeah. Because of how like miraculous the Chiefs run, or not the Chiefs, wow, the Royals run that was that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I am going to hop in the way back machine for this one. Uh, for my number three, I'm going all the way back to 2008. Uh, game 163 between the Twins and mm. the White Sox. Um this is a game the Twins end up losing one to nothing in a game 163 to the White Sox. They had a runner thrown out at the plate late in the game when it was still tied. Um, an incredible game, good pitching performances. Um, the reason this this got so high on my list is because right with the one runner on base in the uh, top of the ninth inning, Somebody on the Twins, I don't remember who it was, hits a sinking line drive to center, and the White Sox center fielder makes a diving catch for the third out to end the game. This is the first time I remember falling to the ground in agony about the result of a sporting event. Like, I literally just remember watching him catch the ball, and then I'm just, no, I just fall on the ground, and my dog jumps on top of me because she thinks I want to play. Oh, no, I don't want to play. I'm mad right now. <laughs> uh, definitely frustrating. So I'm a, I'm going to go to motorsports, Formula One. This was the 2019, I think, Canadian Grand Prix. I'm sticking to 2019. 2018 just pissed me off a lot, it seems like. <laughs> uh, Canadian Grand Prix, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, uh, P1, P2 throughout the race. And um, basically... They were racing side by side towards the end of the race, and there was this little S curve type dealio where Vettel swings a little too far outside on the first turn of the S, and then slides through the grass and slides back onto the track on the next corner, and it, it kind of sort of pushed Hamilton a little bit, and it took like ten laps, and eventually the race stewards issued a five second penalty 
on Vettel, which is a death sentence because they're racing neck and neck the entire time. So obviously it doesn't matter who crosses the line first at this point, but Vettel's going to end up behind Hamilton in the time, which is the official the official uh, ending. And I don't think that th- that rule was justified to be used there to begin with. But, you know, Vettel crosses the line first. He should win, but he actually didn't because he had that stupid five-second penalty. And that was just so frustrating. But uh, uh, some, some kind of good stuff came from that, though, which was when the, the podium finishers pulled their race cars up to these spots labeled one, two, and three with little signs. And as soon as they did that, Vettel hopped out of his car and, like, threw the number one sign away from Lewis Hamilton's car and put it in front of his and stomped off like a child, you know, throwing a tantrum. It was hilarious. But it was still frustrating. You know, misinterpretations of rules, in my opinion, are, like, the godsend of any any uh, sporting event at all. Like, you can't do any worse. And it just it really frustrates me when stuff like that happens, especially something that's going to decide – you know, the end of a game or the end of a race or something like that. It just really grinds my gears. Yeah, that's fair. So moving on to number two now, uh, going back to the gridiron, the 2019 AFC championship game between the Kansas City Chiefs and New England Patriots. There was a roughing the passer call that I thought was bogus. It was a hand to Tom Brady's shoulder that they somehow saw hit his helmet. I don't know. Maybe they stuck an index card in between and called it good. Um, And then D Ford being an idiot and lining up offsides was the nail in the coffin. And I was so glad when we shipped him out. Like, see ya. That was hilarious. See ya. Yeah, that was a tough game for the Chiefs. That was an emotional roller coaster for me in eighty three eleven. Yeah, yeah, it was. I remember. I remember that. That was. Yeah. That was awful. Yeah. Well, I said I was going to have three Vikings things on this list, and so far you've only seen one. So that means you know the last two are going to be Vikings things. Um, number two on my list, we're going back to. Um, January 2016 uh, for the 2015 uh, football season playoff game at TCF Bank Stadium at the U of M campus between mm. the Vikings and the Seahawks. Like cold, one of the coldest games in NFL history. It was freezing out. Basically, there's no offense the entire game. The Seahawks take a late lead, but the Vikings drive down for their last drive. Everything sets up for the short field goal. Blair Walsh setting up for the short field goal, and he doesn't come anywhere near the goal post, missing it wide left. I was on a bus back to uh, to, to Ames because the uh, semester was starting the next day, and I'm just watching it on my phone on the bus, and literally, like, it's all quiet on the bus, and I'm just watching it, and I see him go left, and I just yell, no! And everybody <laughs> turns and looks at me trying to figure out what's going on. I'm just like, yeah, sorry, he missed. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember watching it on my phone while I was I wasn't driving, but I was being driven back, and I texted Mike, and he was very upset. <laughs> yeah, that was not fun. Not fun. So for my number two, I'm going to take it back to October of 2018, Iowa State versus West Virginia. The outcome of this game was. 30-14 Iowa State, a massive upset over what was number six ranked WVU. I think they were number six anyway. And Iowa State storms the field, as you do, right, with a major upset like that. And the Big 12 comes and finds this 25 grand for 
for because Dana Holgerson got mad. Like I, I don't know. That was frustrating. I really have nothing else to say about that other than it pissed me off and it happened in a sporting event. So it made it on my list. Yeah, I mean the Big Twelve's reasoning for that kind of made sense, but it was also kind of weak. I don't like think it did. We ran through the West Virginia players, right? Which you know you have to because the students sit on the same side as the mm-hmm. visiting side anyway. That was the justification for it. I don't like it, but it kind of made sense. Eh, it still made me mad. Yeah. Kyle, top spot. I think I can guess what this is, but I want to hear it from you. Can you guess it? You you think you can guess it? My guess so is, yeah. Should I guess uh, or should I let you say it? I'm just going to say it because yeah. it's it's bad. Look up this video, everyone. Or don't <laughs> because it's embarrassing. 2018 AFC wildcard game. Tennessee Titans yes, versus right. the Kansas City Chiefs. Marcus Mariota throws a pass that is deflected up into the air. He catches it himself. And runs it into the end zone for a touchdown. The self-pass touchdown. And the Chiefs then lose that game. Yeah. Touchdown pass to yourself in a playoff game. The biggest memory I had of of that play was Josh being so pumped about it. Because he had Mariota on his fantasy team. But that wouldn't even make a difference. Fantasy football season's over by then. He was just pumped about it. He's like, no, it's the quarterback that I picked. And I was like... Okay. Uh, now he's the backup quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. I still believe in Marcus Mariota. Just saying. I do too. Bad system. Anyway, that's not... Uh, well, our opinions on Marcus Mariota don't matter in this segment. My top one, I'm sure you all can guess my top one now that you know it's Vikings related too. Uh, definitely the 2018 NFC Championship game, game after the Minneapolis miracle. Everything's riding high. Super Bowl is in Minneapolis. The Eagles are playing with the backup quarterback. The Vikings have one of the all-time great defenses. This is going to be, I mean, it's on the road, but the Vikings are going to win this game. They go down, they score on the first possession, then they stop the Eagles on their first possession. And then Case Keenum gets hit as he throws and throws the ball a mile in the air and it gets picked off and returned for a touchdown and the Vikings don't score again and it turns into a blowout. Yeah, that was that was rough. A week after the Minneapolis Miracle, that one was really, really rough. But Man, rough. That was definitely yeah. a tough game. They just didn't show up at all. Yeah. They did until the, the pick six, and then the crowd got in their heads, and then it was bad. It was bad. They should have won that game. They were the better team. They just didn't play well. Yeah, I agree. So unlike your guys' too, I don't think you'll be able to guess mine because uh, I've been pretty fortunate in the, the whole sports world, I guess. Can I guess? You can guess, but I don't think you'll be right. Iowa State versus Baylor when Baylor kicked the game-winning field goal. Dang it. Yeah! That was going to be my guess, too. That was my number one. So it was, this was, again, October of 2016. We're playing uh, Baylor Bears, 5-0 and at the time. Actually good. This was before they were bad because of, uh, because of Baylor. And, you know, Iowa State's pretty bad at this time as well. We're 1-4 and four at this point in time. 
Going into the fourth quarter, we actually had a 17-point lead or 15-point lead or something over Baylor. You can check the box score if you want. And they just keep coming back. They score like two touchdowns, get the, the PATs for both those, and tie up the game. Baylor lines up for a field goal try, uh, kicking to the north over the band. The band's in the north end zone. And I just remember the clock was at zero um, b- before the ball crossed, you know, the, the, the big field goal thing. And the ball goes through. Like, that was the most heartbreaking moment of my life because I thought that Iowa State was going to be good. We were going to beat Baylor, who was good, right? Up until this point in my Iowa State career, the, the year prior, we were bad. I we were You were worse good. than bad. We were <laughs> awful. Bad, bad. Still in Paul Rhodes era. And just to see that ball cross the plane of the, the field goal and Baylor wins. Uh, just heartbreaking, man. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Oh. Baylor led for exactly zero minutes and zero seconds of that game, and they won. Yeah. Those are the tough ones to swallow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some good lists, though. Yeah. I, w- sure. I, won't, I won't say that was fun to go through. No. But it was certainly interesting. It's, it's just interesting to see what each of us come up with yeah. and how many each of us can guess of each other's <laughs> or that we kind of knew would show up on each other's. There were, no, there were no repeats on any of our lists, right? None of us had anything that was on anybody else's list, which is interesting. Nope. I figured something in Iowa State would overlap. But then again, I didn't put anything Iowa State on mine to begin with. so That's fair. Well, with that, if you have your most frustrating sport, feel free to drop us a DM on your frustrating sport, most frustrating, the most frustrating sport that you've ever experienced or something. Drop us a line. Let us know what it is. DM us on Instagram at 8311cast. Drop us a line, you know, on our contact page, 8311cast.firesite.fm slash contact. Do it. We want to hear those. And if there's, if there's some good ones that get brought up, we might bring them up in one of the next couple episodes. Definitely do. But for now, we're going to get learned. We're going to get learned good by Mike because we're going to go right into Mike's stupid rules. Yeah, we are. We're going to continue our theme of obscure Olympic sports um, by going with the skeleton. Yes, the skeleton is an Olympic sport, not just, you know, like your body if you didn't have skin and organs and stuff, which, you know, is also a skeleton, but it is a sport. So skeleton is kind of like bobsled. It's on the same track as bobsled, which you, you're probably for somewhat familiar with. Basically, skeleton is a single-person event. So you've got one person, and basically they run for the first 50 meters, and then they jump headfirst on a metal sled, and you go down the track, an ice-covered track. It's about 1,400 meters long. You go, to, go down it at... Um, about 90 miles an hour with your head like five centimeters from the ice, experiencing like four to five Gs of, uh, of force on your body as you're going down. Essentially, you just go down the track at really high speeds. That's what the skeleton is. Um, in Olympic competition, so this is, this is actually weird. It's a very old Olympic event. It dates back to uh, 1928. So it was done in 1928 and 1948. And then it was banned because everyone thought it was too dangerous, which, I mean, it kind of is. 5G is, is a lot of Gs. It is pretty dangerous. 5Gs is more Gs than an astronaut gets when they're blasting off into outer space. So that's a lot of Gs. 
But then it was brought back in 2002 and has been done every year since then. Um, the way it is scored is an Olympic competition, you do four runs, right? And basically, it's total time summed up of your four runs, whoever has the best time wins. That's basically it. The, the um, whole running and jumping onto a sled sounds like something that Kyle and I would do walking back from Welch Ave. <laughs> like, I can just imagine myself sprinting towards, you know, some sheet of metal to go run on top of, to go sled down a hill. I feel like I mean, we probably have done wrong. something like that. I mean... And I'd be encouraging you and then following along. <laughs> I honestly didn't even know that was an Olympic event. That's that's how well-versed I am in the Olympics. I watch them to be cool, not so, to actually know what's going on. It's also similar to the, the luge as well. Um, but on in the luge, you're on your back and you're sledding feet first. Whereas skeleton, you're on your stomach and you're sledding head first. I wonder so. if it got its name because pretty much they expected when you finished it, you all that would be left of you is just your skeleton. All it, actually got it, it actually got its name because the original sleds apparently looked like skeletons. Ah. So says um, Wikipedia. Ah, ah the so most reliable yeah. source of information. Mm-hmm. It, was, it also says that on the article I read on some other website. So it's in multiple places, so it must be true. Take that as you will. Thank you for getting us learned on skeleton. Like no I said, it, you know, that was the thing. So we can continue on, continue on down our uh, itinerary, which is our write that down prediction segment, which we would normally pull stuff off the board in our accountability session, but we don't have anything to pull off. So, Kyle, do you want to go and get it started and get your prediction up? Uh, I don't like doing this, but I'm going to be a pessimist and say that. ISU football does not play their full slate of 12 regular season games this year. I hope you're wrong. I do, too. Um, whether or not it's going to happen, I mean, that's 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 up in the air. Like, I, yeah. I don't even know. Oh, boy. Um, I'm between a double and a triple, leaning towards double, Wyatt. That's... Kind of the same boat I am in. Let, let's let's look at this as a triple, just just for sake of looking at it. So if we're gonna give him a triple for them not playing all twelve regular season games. I mean, how likely is that? I don't know. I don't know if it's double or if it's triple. I I'm really leaning towards double. I'm starting to feel less optimistic about it too. All right. Uh, double's fine. That's fine with me. I put a I put a contact swing on the ball and it it found the the corner the outfield corner and I I was fast enough to make it around first. Maybe, go. maybe you I, fell I'm halfway enough. between. Maybe you <laughs> fell halfway between first and second and you're out. You didn't get it right yet. You could still be out. Uh, like Mike Trout rounding second that one time on his way to third. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got, Mike? Yep, I am going to, since now I'm being optimistic that baseball is going to get played, the Twins will make whatever kind of playoff happens this year. The Twins are going to make the playoffs in baseball. Well, I don't think I would have that on the board, do I? I have no idea. No, is I it don't. Going, is it going by division? Nobody knows. If it goes by division, they're the best team in the AL Central. But, I mean, to this year, that really could not mean anything at all. Um, 
they have the best roster in the AL Central. Let's put it this way. <sighs> Double? I don't know. Just because of how short in the season and there's so many... I guess. I mean... I don't really know. That one's also hard. <laughs> I don't know. Let's assume, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what to assume to, to analyze that. I don't either. I mean, I guess a double. I, double. I can't really make yeah. an argument for a triple. Yeah. Well, right, if, if you want to, that's fine. I was expecting a double. If you want thing going into the season with the full length season, the Twins had a, about a 69% chance to make the playoffs. Nice. Presumably that goes down with a uh, longer season because, or with a shorter season because other teams are going to go up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if it was that high of a chance to begin the season, it probably would have been a single, but now that it's going down, double. That's yeah, I'm fair. fine with that. So I, I don't want to make my prediction. Um, I'm going to, and I wrote it down, and I don't like it. I was initially extremely optimistic about having baseball, but those optimisms have been declining day by day. So I'm going to say the MLB doesn't even play in 2020. There isn't going to be an MLB-sanctioned baseball game in 2020. MLB does not or does? You have, do. Do, you have do on the... Do the, not. Does not. Okay, you I, should fix that on the document. You have I do will. on the document. I'm going to say they're not. Okay, Um, this is a this is a write that down prediction rules question. Can you repeat somebody else's prediction? Because I already have that prediction. Oh, did you really? So can somebody else repeat that? I don't know. Can I? If I, can, I don't know. What are the rules? Yes. We, we didn't. We never made these rules. What are the I rules? I would say yeah, as long as you're not. Uh, I don't know. I would say yes. I would okay. say yes, obviously. I'm not. That's fine I'm with not, me. I'm not opposed to it by any yeah. means. You obviously can't make the same prediction yourself twice. No. But, yes. But, but I'm fine with somebody making the same prediction as somebody else. Okay. Yes. For reference, I made that prediction back um, about a month ago now, so back at the uh, end of May, and you gave me a triple. Are we more optimistic that there will be baseball or less optimistic, and is it enough to change that um, that triple? What do you think, Kyle? I'm with you on that one. You So you're thinking triple? Yeah. Okay, I'm fine that's, keeping it as a that's triple. That's what I'm thinking. Why you don't think the circumstances have changed enough to change that? Uh, I'm not going to make an like argument that way. I feel like we have to make the same, same I, prediction, though. I mean, you don't because they were made at different times. Right. Well, different if we made the same prediction in the same week, yeah, we'd have to do that. But right, just yeah. like if, just like if I predict that the Twins will make the playoffs now, or if I predict the Twins will make the playoffs with one game left in the season and they just have to win it. I'm going to different things. So. I, I could be different. I feel like everyone else is getting more optimistic. I'm personally becoming less optimistic that we're actually going to play. So I don't know if that factored into it or not. I don't care what I get. I'm, I'm happy with whatever. My optimism just changes every day. So That's fair. Yeah. So with that level of uncertainty, should we just keep it at a triple, I guess? I'm um, fine with that. Because the players could still just say, nah. Yeah. That's fine with me. Triple's fine with me. Do we have uh, anything from Josh this week? Nope. His parents got a new puppy. He's occupied with the new puppy. No prediction. I don't. So it's such a cute puppy, though. It is, <laughs> it is a very cute puppy. 
Such cute puppy. Heartbreak. Love puppy. So with that, we are done with our Write That Down Projection segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 87 of the 8311Cast. We'll talk to you next week on episode 88. Be sure to check out our Instagram page, at 8311Cast, if you want. If you don't, that's cool, too, you know? Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt here. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.